1: Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for details.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
2: Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I'm joined as always by myself, Armani Buckets, Mr. Brandon Deutsch. We are sans Arash because he's living the life in uh, Vegas. uh, My second home away from home. But how are you guys doing?
3: Well, I'm doing great because this is the Vegas crew that we did. That (laughs) was the highlight personally of of my summer. Just hanging out with this trio. Arash was obviously there as well. For summer league but this was like we were close uh <laughs> us three for 48 hours right
2: yeah we definitely it was bonded a fun time trip. yeah we definitely bonded that trip it was
3: a fun time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. no definitely wish
3: definitely. we saw rob palenka though to
2: convince him <laughs> to <try laughs> diary, but that
3: well we got to give the people a backstory because the whole the whole time in vegas you were you were adamant about running into rob and, and sean marks and sean marks and convincing them to get that deal done and unfortunately didn't happen did not happen we didn't see them
2: we didn't even see Rob Polinka, so I I guess it's kind of null and void right there right well okay guys let's head to the headlines brought to you by Circus Sports Circa Millions and Circus Survivor Pro football contests are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes visit circussports.com for details let's do this Well, the NFL had a preseason game last night did anybody watch it and was it great to have at least some NFL back even though it's a pregame season
4: you know I I watched part of it but I love the Derek Carr Devontae Adams interview more than the game itself I want to hear the guy you know and it's sad because you want to support the guys that are having an opportunity there that would not normally have an opportunity but I wanted to see the stars I wanted to see him talk about the team you know uh, their connection and it was fun to see the interviews more so than the game but just being around football having a type of football game regardless Regardless. It was it was fun. It was definitely there was definitely something that that was uh, was great.
3: Jihei, you said this on um, uh, on our car ride over to the studio. You said that you know it's good to have it on in the background. The Hall of Fame game because I was actually surprised that Josh Jacobs was playing as a starter because typically you don't see any starters in the Hall of Fame game. But it's like a uh, good background music. You know, you don't really you don't digest yourself into the hall of fame game typically, unless I don't know, you you might have a gambling problem, no judgment (laughs) here, but you know, it's just, it's great to have football back. It just is such a tease to the real, to the real thing. And and honestly, the whole preseason is, but you know, um, it, it was great to see football back. I actually didn't see the, the interview that you're referring to Brandon, but, um, I'm assuming that it had something to do with the optimism surrounding Carr and Devonte heading into this season. Um, but yeah, it's football season is finally here. That day is is like um, it's a turning point for for us as sports fans because we've been talking about for the past few months, not past few months, I guess a month, month and a half, two months that you know sports is is slowing down, and then you have the Hall of Fame game is like the the moment where it all starts to get better so. yeah
2: yeah i mean if you did have a gambling problem and you did um bet on this game at least you got at least you covered yeah yeah because the oh, raiders were yeah Raiders yeah. favored it too can, and we, they... can we talk about something for a second real quick <laughs> speaking
4: yeah. of gambling tell me if this is free money armand i mean vegas usually knows what's going on but pistons over <laughs> under twenty oh twenty seven point yeah, five 27.5 wins with kate cunningham jaden Ivey, sadiq bay isaiah stewart jalen duran all the guys you know they have i mean they're going to get at least 35 wins in my opinion
2: i mean i would definitely hit that over right 30 I, I think 30 i think they'll hit the 30 mark for sure with that with that roster right i
4: was There's, just thinking you know, about that speaking of gambling i was i was going to just bet that right i got to find i'm trying to link up with a new bookie my old bookie went to prison
5: so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need a
4: new you know he was he was gambling no i'm kidding i'm joking on that um, but, but
2: yeah no i dude i am the exact same way i, th- I 27 and a half I'll
4: just go to Vegas and place a bet Because having a bookie is illegal And I do not have a bookie (laughs) Used to, it was a mistake
3: It seems like a ridiculously low number Um, Maybe not ridiculously low But I agree with you Jihei and Brandon 30 is like the bare minimum For that team and I was shocked to see that number because everybody's been hyping up the offseason. They brought back the horse jersey.
4: Dude, Cade's going to take that huge leap. Yeah. I only think there's only one guy I think that could take a bigger leap than Cade next season, and that's Anthony Edwards. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's like, I think Cade's 24-8-8 eight and eight next
3: year. Dude. Speaking of Anthony Edwards, did you guys see the quote that he Yeah, he's going to be the best player in
4: the NBA next year. I don't deny it. That man has confidence, and that's something like, confidence you can't get i mean it's like
2: you need that in order in his ceiling just
4: people talk about oh Lamelo, lamello all 32 gms would have taken anthony edwards and would still do it because Lamelo cannot play defense the way anthony edwards can play defense do we think his ceiling is the
3: best player in the nba because i think that's a a no i think
4: his ceiling is like a top five nba player I would say that, you know, he's never gonna be a LeBron, although it's it's hard to put limits on people, you just don't know you just don't know, like, there's guys that like, I just put made a TikTok about Jason Preston, he was a journalist in high school, he didn't even play high school, and then he went to Ohio, balled out and is now in the NBA for the Clippers you just don't know, I hate to do that because people have done that in my career, and it's like what do you mean? I could become the best pitcher in the world. You know, it's like, why would, even though I'm not even close, you know what I'm saying? Like, why would you ever, like, you can do it. Everybody can do something. So I I I think he could become the best player in the NBA, but I'd say realistically, you know, I don't want to put limits, but I could see him becoming the top five players at ceiling.
2: But also you're, and also you're not in his head. You're not there at the workouts with him every single day. You're not in the gym with him every day. So it's, it's really hard. You're right. It's hard to put that finality and be like, no, bro, like you're, you're a top five, but you're not going to be the best, you know? So it's, yeah. it's just, really, why can't really he fun.
4: be the best? I mean, Giannis, Absolutely. no one thought Giannis would be good. Jokic. Absolutely. I mean, those are two of the top three players in the NBA That's right true. now. Absolutely. True. Right? So. Absolutely.
2: Well, transitioning over to the angels, you know, the worst owner of uh, baseball, um, they hit seven solo home runs and lost only the second team to do so in the history of the game. Shohei Otani hit two home runs, but the angels lost eight to seven. Can this team guys get to even 10 games under 500 by the end of the season?
4: It's really- Really sad. I think most people in baseball, including Angel fans like myself, want them to succeed so badly. But, you know, uh, Artie Moreno, he he has the money. He's provided a lot of financial, um, you know, a financial cushion for this team. But he, if he's not already, he really needs to let Perry and just take over the reins. And he has no say in this because, you know, it's unfortunate. I don't want to say he has an ego or his pride because I'm sure he's a great guy. But at the end of the day, you have to let your general man. the most successful organizations, let their general managers do put in work. You know what I'm saying? He needs to let him have full reins. If he wants to trade Otani, he trains Otani for a rebuild. You know, I know Otani makes Artie and the Angels a ton of money, but they, he definitely needs to stop being you know so in on everything like even steve cohen steve cohen's not even not as much in on everything he just provides the money right steve Ballmer for the clippers right oh he just provides the money you know lawrence frank and the others do do the work and jerry west right that's what Artie moreno needs to do with the angels and it might not happen next year but long term it will it will uh it will benefit the angels for sure
2: let's say that they he does pull the reins and says like okay you guys do your thing like what you got hired to do yeah what do you think will happen in the following season
4: I think they'll have a winning record next year if he lets Perry do what he needs to do I really do Mm -hmm. I mean, but I don't think they're going to finish 10 games under. I think they, this could be a, this is a 90-loss team. It could be, even be a 100-loss team, depending on the
3: trajectory they're going. How many tweaks are needed or what kind of tweaks are needed to the roster to get to that? They're,
4: they're not that far away. A lot of times the Angels go after stars, but I would say with the money they have allocated... Um, they don't have to extend Otani yet. He's going to go to arbitration. They're going to have to pay him like 25 million next year because, you know, or more depending. He probably has the highest arbitration case of all time. Uh, they need to go out and get Carlos Rodon, who's an unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, he's going to opt out of his deal. He's not like the star that, you know, Artie Moreno and the angels usually want, like a Noah Cinder you know, paying a guy past his prime. They've had a, they've had it. I don't know if it's Artie or the management, but they've had a uh, track record of Anthony Rendon, one good season paying him $250 million. That guy couldn't hit air if it was thrown at him, you know, right now. I don't know if that's injury or if he was choosing in Washington. No one even knew about that in the Angels organization, but that's a bad deal. Same thing with Hamilton Pools. They need to get guys like Carlos Rodon, who's arguably the best left-handed pitcher in the National League this year. 2 ERA, 2.5 ERA biggest strikeout guy for a left-hander in the league this year they need to give him 30 million dollars a year and it might be an overpay but just give they need pitching 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 hitting will be fine you just got to kind of bank on trout and otani being healthy next year right
3: yeah what do you think Artie moreno's approval rating is among angel angel fans look i don't want to talk
4: crap about him because i'd love to play for the angels but at the same time it's like his approval rate above uh, among Among fans fans zero percent i mean they don't like him yeah uh, you know and it's they want him to sell the team this is just the facts this is just you know and i think he has the ability to be a good owner he just needs to let perry minashian do his job that he hired him to do you know and let him make the decisions right that's the big difference
2: well uh, i personally think that it always starts from the bottom and then you have to work your way up right so what do they do with that farm system that they have because that I mean they're doing the a good thing.
4: job they had a great draft pick in Zack he's an elite shortstop he's going to come up and be a 280 hitter with 15 to 20 home runs a year when he's in his prime and he's not too far away Ben Joyce 105 mile per hour thrower from pitcher from tennessee one of the best arms we've ever seen that's part of the reason why they traded rossel iglesias they want him to bring up they want to bring him up and be the closer because he's going to be untouchable right now he doesn't even have to play in the minor leagues even though he will for a little bit they're not too far away from competing they have a good base you know they have trout they have otani they have rendon those are three really good hitters even though rendon is you know falling off and jared walsh and taylor ward and joe adele i know they traded brandon marsh but you kind of just need to play a joe adele the rest of the year and next year 162 games former top prospect see if he works out and they need to get another starter and they need to bolster the pen they gave too many guys uh like aaron luke 10 million dollars off a career year ryan tapera 7 million dollars who had a 4 era for the blue jays just a couple of years ago ago, Right. So it's like you're getting the wrong guy. And you know, look, in their defense, it wasn't a great market for pitching last year. There'll be a better market this summer. They need to get bolster the bullpen. Don't overpay. Try and find diamonds in the rough. Right. Develop guys. Focus on your player development like the Dodgers do too, uh, more so. And then sign a Rodon for the staff because they have Shohei Ohtani, Patrick Sandoval, Reed Detmers. Those—that's a great first three uh, to have in your pitching staff. They're really not far away from competing. And then you have a lineup of Trout, Ohtani, Rendon, Walsh. Like I mentioned, they should win. It's more of like a trust. There's there's like there's a toxic positivity issue where they don't like to admit that the team is just like a mess right now and then there's a second thing where they need to trust their player development they're doing a better job though ever since perry minashian came in they've had some really great draft picks
3: you you mentioned joe adele and he's only 23 years old what what is the ceiling now that you know he's he's kind of struggled in the in yeah the
4: i think a lot of people are out on him and again i don't like to i've heard a ton of things don't know if they're true about him you know having been being refusing to listen to certain like adjustments i don't know if that's true or not this is just a rumor going around from some sources I I have that follow the angels pretty closely. Hopefully he listens. Again, I know he's a hard worker. I think his talent is off the roof. I think he's a Byron Buxton type at his ceiling, but he's also a bust if he doesn't put in the work and make changes to his swing because there's an obvious hole in his swing. I know he had a home run yesterday. There's an obvious hole in his swing, but I mean, his potential's through the roof. He just needs to become more like humble, more of a veteran, but he's young. He's young. You can't, Byron Buxton never made it till he was 28, 29. He wasn't good, you know?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's... Crazy. Um, well, let's switch over to basketball really quick. Um, LeBron James and agent Rich Paul reportedly had a productive meeting, you guys, with the Lakers regarding a contract extension um, as James becomes eligible yesterday for an extension. What do you think will happen here um, as LeBron is in no rush to sign this extension?
3: I don't know what's going to happen um, in terms of the extension. It all—all all signs point to it not being. A rush to get it done but uh, our friend uh, the great Yovan Buha of the Athletic Oh
4: that's our guy bro
3: <laughs> it is our That's guy. our guy he, follows me on TikTok now too. There, there we go. He he so he uh he tweeted or not he tweeted he had an article with the athletic that came out today about the Lakers closing lineup and it was LeBron Anthony Davis Uh, Austin Reeves, Troy Brown Jr., and Juan Toscano-Anderson, and Jihei, you're looking at me puzzled, and I agree with you completely. That sounds like garbage. Well, just if that Troy Brown Jr. Old. if Troy Brown
4: Jr. gets over five minutes a game <laughs> next year, that team you can lock him in as they're not making the playoff. That guy sucks. No offense. I mean so, he's better than me. He's better than me and you. But like I'm just saying, like for an NBA player, but he, yeah, that, he sucks. that
2: that lineup sounds like no no I mean No offense. Who's gonna shoot? That sounds
4: garbage. Who's gonna shoot? I mean Austin Reeves shot thirty percent. I know he'll be better from I I'm I'm so high on Austin Reeves. I, I know he's been putting in work. I think he's gonna have a huge leap yeah. this season. I think he needs to play point guard, by the way. I really Really do I think he can do that and what people thought is just because he's wide and 6'6 and like they thought he had a jumper but he's actually a great scorer in a guard he's more of a scorer in a guard than a shooter his oh, yeah. shooting will get better but that's you're right Jihei you're right Armand that lineup come on what, JTA at least AD Thomas Bryan on there and then put in like Who's Cole
3: Swider at shooting guard. But then when, when the reason why I brought this lineup up is because why would LeBron sign an extension with that roster? With that, yeah. It, that it, makes no it sense. It's because no he likes sense.
4: but but again, you gotta understand this is Le- look, I love you, LeBron. This is your own fault. You wanted Westbrook. Absolutely. This is what happens. And I think LeBron's realizing that, you know, I know he he it's his reputation's on the line. If he leaves the Lakers, everyone's gonna be like, Well, you created that mess. Why are you leaving? So I think he wants to he has some like ego thing where he went and I respect the, sh- the hell out of it like I would have the same thing where he wants to fix this mess that he created he wants to put the team on his back and win another championship and I respect that whether it's delusional or not <laughs> I think they have a shot obviously they have a chance if Davis is healthy like I mentioned the stat that's crazy is LeBron's never missed the finals with a healthy star I don't consider Westbrook a star so that he was the only healthy star in the roster last year so I never count out LeBron and Davis is the key to this team regardless of that lineup you just put out there they could put out three bums that are 12 years old in anthony davis and lebron james and they'd find a way you know those guys just need to be
3: healthy my other concern with the lakers and you know people keep saying we get 65 games out of lebron and ad my whole issue is if you are saying okay we get 65 games out of anthony davis right that means 17 games he's not there and those seventeen games, when you when you talk about a jam-packed Western Conference or sixty-five games of LeBron, those yeah. seventeen games, when you have one and not the other, I think that what would their record Austin be? Austin Reeves,
4: 17? bro, I don't, can't, don't count out Austin Reeves. Well, if
3: you
2: still have a healthy LeBron and he's playing, no, no, he's well, saying
4: if, if LeBron and Davis don't play no, no, seventeen games, right? I, I know.
2: I, so um, let's say you have like have, one, have one is there, correct? Yeah. Yeah. One's there and one's not. Oh, so if you, you have LeBron, like, you're gonna win. <laughs> But if you have A D, that's a whole he, other A D
4: is not a good one. I hate to say yeah. it. He can't win games being the one. Like he can be the number one option, but LeBron needs to get him open. LeBron needs to be that leader yeah, to get to him just- there.
2: Well, so do you think that Austin Reeves would be that one, would be that leader? I think he
4: could. I think they're gonna be- I think that they're undoubtedly gonna be better. I know they have arguably a worse roster, but they're more athletic. They're younger, similar to their twenty twenty title team, which didn't have shooting as well, by the way. I don't I'm not saying they're gonna win well, they a title.
2: Were on- they were relying on defense that whole entire and- and
4: they're gonna be better defensively, so as as a result, they're gonna have a better record,
3: right, Armand? I, oh man, we, we heard the, the closing lineup. It's just.
4: Dude, I- but their defense, Darvin Ham and their defense is going to be better. Now, look, I'm as pessimistic as a Lakers fan as anybody you'll meet. But if you're just looking at the advanced metrics, if you have a top 15, top 11 defense, which I think they will have a top 15, they were 23rd last year. That's why they lost so many games. They're going to have a better defense and that's going to equal more wins, more wins. That's why the Charlotte Hornets will not make the play in probably next year because they don't play defense. The Pistons have a better shot at making the plan because they play better defense.
3: I hear you. And I actually, I do agree, but I just think that the roster... I agree. They need so... to make changes, bro.
4: And yeah. why is Cole Swider not in that final? They need to give that man five years, 10 million already. Like, I don't care. He's already better than Duncan
3: Robinson. And you see that, by the way, with with other teams. Like, I I think it was um, the Pelicans, I think, locked in Jose Alvarado, for example. Respect. Right and they're going to do it with Herb Jones, too. Yeah, and they do it right away. As soon as they see a glimpse of like, oh, that guy can play, four-year deal. Like, why is Rob Palenka
4: not transferring Cole Swider to the full roster that's because they panicked inside Troy Brown Jr. You don't need Troy Brown Jr. Well, apparently he's in the closing lineup now. so <laughs> No, that guy is... I I need to... Can you, you want to give me Jovan's number? I need to text him or hit him up on TikTok and like, why Troy Brown Jr.? Yeah, that's... Uh...
2: I was just going to say, why don't you just talk to your boy? <laughs> because apparently... Yeah, yeah I'm going like to send
4: email. him a message on TikTok saying, okay, I maybe, I don't know why you were thinking Troy Brown Jr., but please, anybody but Troy Brown Jr., Scottie Pippen Jr. even, over Troy so Brown Jr. So
2: who would, who would you guys have in that bottom too then because i i, I told to you i would reeves, have and I thomas bryant
4: too. because he can stretch the floor anthony davis are we Lebron we closing closing line closing lineup. Yeah. thomas bryant anthony davis lebron james austin reeves and then cole swider huge lineup those guys are all six eight and above
3: what about you Arman? i'm going lebron 80 at the five i'm going smaller so i'm going um swider lonnie, lonnie walker
4: oh yeah, yeah yeah lonnie walker is, is good too
3: reeves yeah and then swider God, lebron God, that is a tough fifth one ah, swider can play the two right. at six nine bro God. and he plays I, defense i like him a lot and i just want to see it in the nba before i know i think he will be good i just
2: he's like, the perfect fit here. alongside
4: lebron people are like oh trade for joe harris you have joe harris yeah. like that guy's joe harris you know what i'm saying like all right he could be the fifth
2: <laughs> how, how gracious of you. That sounds so gracious. I also, though, uh, Kendrick Nunn is still an option for me
3: for the fifth mm. spot. And it's funny that none of us brought up Westbrook. I know, but, but I like, mean, you got to put I mean, Reeves. Well,
4: Westbrook in a closing lineup, you might as well shoot yourself in the head and play Russian <laughs> roulette if he's closing in your lineup. I'm dead serious. That guy cannot be on the floor. He doesn't play a lick of defense.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, ugh. we all we all know. We I think we all have the consensus on Westbrook and how he's we coming back too, there, bro. For sure. He's coming back. Coming back. Let's run it back. Yeah, run it back. It back. <laughs> I guess so. Well, let's leave it there for now. Um, we will run it back. When we come back, we're going to talk to our good friend of the show, Mr. Michael Duarte. When we come back on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5, The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network.
0: We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. um, 95.1 FM and... AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have any questions or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game, guys, in LA, Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline at 310-400-0340. Again, that number is 310-400-0340. Also, don't forget to email us at Arash Markazi show at gmail.com. Okay, let's go to the Spir- Circa Sports guest hotline. Circa Millions and Circa Survivor Pro football contest with 12 million in guaranteed prizes are back. Visit com for details. Here he is, good friend of the show, Mr. Michael Duarte. Michael, how you doing?
5: Hi, everybody. Uh, a very pleasant good morning to you all, wherever you may be.
2: Yeah, no, definitely, Michael. It is beautiful. I'm sure it's beautiful where you are. It's beautiful where we are as well. Um, we wanted to. Um, I mean, all week long, we've ba- basically been discussing um, the passing of a legend in and in the voice of baseball in Vince Scully. I just wanted to get your thoughts on how um, you know how are you taking it. Uh, what What are your thoughts on Vince Scully, and what are your greatest memories? Yeah, excellent.
5: And uh, thank you for asking. Um yeah, it was, very, it was a very difficult day. It's been a very difficult last couple of days since hearing of the passing of Vin Scully. This is a person who uh, has had a tremendous impact on my life, um, as Arash probably could attest to you as well. Growing up in Southern California, growing up in Los Angeles, and growing up a Dodgers fan, um, Vince Scully was like the friend we never had or never had met, but yet he was always there for you. He was the voice of our summer, he was the soundtrack of our summer, and you know we throw the word "goat" around a lot in today's day and age. Uh, we try to tag everybody that we think is really, really good, or that we love, or idolize as an athlete or uh, in their respective profession as the goat. Uh, but Vin Scully was the true goat. He was the true greatest of all time at what he did um, as a broadcaster. Uh, each and every night he gave a master class on storytelling. And he was the Picasso of play-by-play. He would simply take a blank canvas of a baseball game that would start off on the first pitch, and he would paint us a picture like nobody else could. Um, and so that's something that, that even though he's been retired for six years and he's been out of the spotlight and he's remained a very private person, uh, he lives very close to me here. I've seen him uh, a handful of times over the years. I just spoke to him recently, so uh, it hit him. And even as we speak now, there is this giant four-by-four four painting of him in the Dodgers broadcast booth overlooking the field at Chavez Ravine at Dodger Stadium with all the lights on calling a game that has sit above my desk probably for the last uh, 10 years or so. And uh, I look at it every day, and it's been my backdrop during the pandemic for Zoom. And uh, so he's he's here. He's always a little part of it. But it was a pretty difficult day, pretty difficult last few days. Uh, and this is Friday, so... The Dodgers are planning on doing a very big pregame ceremony for him before Friday night's game against the Padres. And uh, I imagine that's going to be a very uh, emotional time uh, and difficult time for more people, but also a celebration of a great, great man who led a great, great life.
3: Yeah, Michael, and you, you just mentioned it. Uh, you, you were able to speak to Vin, you, you told me, nine nine or so days before his passing. What was that conversation like, if you can disclose some of it and and what were your lasting memories of that final uh conversation that you guys had
5: yeah armand i am just going to say i am so so blessed and fortunate to be you know maybe one of the last people to speak to him or 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 have a phone conversation with him especially in, in the world of sports journalism and sports media um and and it's funny because i think the whole origin the genesis of me speaking to Vince Scully, uh, you know, now, probably two weeks ago uh, from today, was the fact that Arash kind of sparked it and put me in a situation where I kind of had to do it. And so what happened was, and of course, Arash and I spoke about this uh, during the All Star game, there was a little 10 year old boy named Blake Rice who went viral for, for walking up to Clayton Kershaw. We, we probably discussed it on this show. Um, Arash took video of it uh, so did I uh, both of those videos I think went viral and did, did very well for us and um, you know he, he told Clayton Kershaw that his grandfather's bucket list and his grandfather had died of brain cancer uh, the, the grandfather's two bucket list items among other things were, were to meet his favorite player Clayton Kershaw and was to meet Vin Scully who he loved and idolized like, like most people in Southern California and baseball fans across the globe and so Um, we, we obviously witnessed him meeting Clayton Kershaw in the moment, which was one bucket list item, but Vin Scully was a little bit more difficult, but because I had a personal relationship with Vin Scully, I had his phone number in my phone. And I thought about in that moment there at the press conference, you know, waiting and then talking to the father and the son and, and telling them that, you know, I would reach out for them to try to get that last bucket item crossed off the list. But the ironic thing was there in the moment, I didn't. Everybody started crowding around the kid. I had to rush back up to the press box. Uh, And so I didn't do it in that first moment, Uh, the moment that went viral that he speaks to Clayton in the press conference room. So I run back up into the press box, and then we, I was maybe up there less than five minutes, and we get a message in the press box that Mookie Betts and uh, some of the other players, the Dodgers, who had started in the All-Star game. Uh, or Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara was another guy who, who came in behind Kershaw. Uh, they were all ready to be interviewed. They had come out of the game, they had changed, they were dressed, uh, and ready to be interviewed down in this separate little room. So I went back down to that room, and I saw Arash, and uh, we were waiting for Mookie Betts, and I we were talking about Blake Rice, this kid, and Arash said, and I told Arash that... um you know, I had Vince Scully's phone number, and I could reach out to him, and Arash said, you have to do that. You have to do that. And so then Arash and I go out, and we find the 10-year-old kid and his father just kind of sitting there outside that little room where the scrum was, and so Arash starts interviewing the kid uh, with his phone, and when he's done with the interview, he says, now here's Michael, and he has a surprise for you guys to maybe cross off that extra bucket list item. So right there, I was pot committed, as they say in the mm-hmm. poker game, and so... Uh, I, I took out my phone and I called him right then and there and I spoke to his daughter and his daughter said, Oh, he's resting right now. And just so you guys know, and it's something that wasn't public information at the time, but we had kind of known in the Dodgers community, it was a known secret that, that Vin was no longer moving. He was no longer ambulatory. Um, he was confined to, to a bed. Uh, he was bedridden. He had a full-time nurse. Uh, he he was okay, but you know he anybody who's ninety four years old and lived the life that he has, he had good days and bad. And so um, you know this was not necessarily a, a shock to everybody, but I think we were hoping it would be longer that, that he'd be around to to still be there for us, to be that light, to be that smile that, that brightened our day. long story short, uh, he called me the next day, uh, Wednesday. I was at the Espies and this is a this is a fun part of the story that a lot of people have shared over the years because Vin Scully calls you from a private number when he calls. <laughs> and so I'm on the SB's red carpet and I'm actually interviewing Mookie Betts or talking to Mookie Betts who had just arrived with his wife at the time. And this private number keeps popping up on my phone. And I don't answer private numbers just like you guys probably don't either. And so I keep just sending this call to voicemail because I'm in the middle of this this interview with Mookie Betts or talking to Mookie Betts and it just keeps calling two times, three times, four times. And finally I'm like, okay, Mookie, I'll see you inside the theater. Like I'm going to get this call because if someone's calling me four times now, like it's probably got to be important or they really want to talk to me. So finally the fifth time they call, I answer. And this woman's voice says, hi, is this Michael? And I said, yeah. And they said, can you hold for Vince Scully? And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I jumped this red velvet rope that was keeping the media away from the red carpet, of the s b s and right on the other side of the red carpet, Gatorade and the and ESPN the had set up this like gifting suite, this like lounge for, for athletes to kind of duck into and hang out and get away from all the craziness of the red carpet. So like I sprint in there, and by the time I get to the back of that room, uh, I hear that famous baritone voice where the words are kind of drawn out and uh, is this Michael, this is Vin Scully. And I said, Vin, I know who you are. (laughs) You don't have to say that. And he's like, okay. And um, then I sat there and, and we had a good 15 to 20 minute conversation. And I'll tell you guys, even at 94 years old, even less than two weeks before he ends up ultimately passing, His mind was sharp, he was genuine, he was generous, he was kind, Uh, he still had wit and humor about him, Um, and he was the same old Vin Scully. Uh, The only thing I could tell you I noticed was he spoke a little slower than normally, but he kind of spoke very slowly to begin with, Uh, but he's there and he wanted to know about This 10-year-old kid, he wanted to know about the grandfather. He asked me the names of everybody. He asked me to spell it so he could write it down. Uh, He wanted to know where this grandfather was, where he grew up, what he died of, what the other bucket list items were. Um, He really wanted to complete this story uh, and complete this bucket list item to him. And so towards the end of the call from giving him all this information, I said, you know, Vin, I live... Ben lives in Hidden Hills. I live in Calabasas. We're right, we're right next to each other. And I said to him, uh, you know, I live right down the street from you less than a mile. So if you'd like to go get lunch when, you know, Blake and his family come back to Los Angeles, um, I can arrange that and, and take care of that for you. And he goes, well, you might not believe this, Michael, but I don't move around as much as I used to. So that probably won't happen, but I'm going to give him a phone call. So he, you know, ultimately tried to call them and that's how that story ended. But the last words that I said to Vince Scully were, uh, Finn, we love you. We miss you. We're praying for you. Uh, and I'll talk to you soon. And those were the last things I said to him. And so that gives me some comfort and solace and warms my heart, uh, that I was able to echo those words and sentiments to him. I don't know why I pluralized it and used the word we, maybe I felt like in that moment, I was speaking for all of us, uh, but that's what I said to him, and that was the last phone call. I then also called him last Friday, so a week ago, and just a few days before he ultimately ends up passing, just to check in, uh, and his daughter answered and said that he was having lunch and, and asked me if uh, she wanted to, he, I wanted him to call me back, and I said, no, no, he doesn't have to call me back. I was just checking in, and you know, he said, oh, he's out having lunch right now, so it seemed like well, lunch there at his house. So it seemed like he was doing well up until um, you know, the very end. So maybe this you know, ha- kind of came up and snuck up on people and happened pretty suddenly here in the last few days.
4: Yeah, Michael, I, it's a, a tough to follow that amazing story, but I was going to ask you, speaking of the Dodgers, they had a quiet deadline. We haven't talked since the deadline. What did you think they, I mean, I know there's a lot of trust in Andrew Friedman over the past couple of years, not a big splash at the deadline they did trade Mitch White for a nice prospect and Nick Frasso they did get uh you know Martin the arm and the pen but a lot of this this Dodgers scheme they're relying on guys coming back right Michael is this the right move what what did you make of the deadline moves by the Dodgers
5: yeah so i wouldn't say they were quiet externally from what we saw as fans they were quiet but internally my sources were telling me they were in on everybody they had phone calls on everybody they were a very, very close second to getting Juan Soto. In fact, I was told from a source, uh, and unfortunately Andrew Friedman, when I spoke to him about this, would not give me any details of the talks out of respect to the the Nationals and the Padres, but um, I was told the Nationals gave the Dodgers, (coughs) and the fans might not like to hear this, but they gave them a final chance to beat the Padres offer. So if they wanted to go, you know, six prospects, if they... They wanted to go top prospects, and from what I was told, the Nationals wanted Tony Gonsolin in these talks. They wanted Gavin Lux in these talks. They wanted Major League Ready talent, in addition to guys like Bobby Miller, Diego Cartaya, which I don't even think the Nationals maybe would have been interested in, even though uh, players are, but they just got Kybert Ruiz, so they're pretty good at catcher for the foreseeable future. Um, But they wanted wanted all of the the top – excuse me, they wanted four – Five top prospects from the Dodgers, and they wanted guys like Tony Gonsolin and and Gavin Lux, major league ready guys for Juan Soto. And it's arguable to say where's Juan Soto? even play? Obviously, he's probably going to left field and be your everyday left fielder. But then, where are you going to play? Chris Taylor? We're going to play Trey Thompson? We're going to play uh, these other guys that you have on your roster? So ultimately, the Dodgers don't. They thought the price was too high. They obviously drove the price up for the Padres, which isn't good for the next two and a half seasons. But maybe. Uh, It hurts the Padres down the road, Uh, but that's what they were there. They were also in on Shohei Otani, and they really liked Shohei Otani and and wanted to do that. Um, They were in on Lopez uh, and Garrett Cooper in Miami. They were looking to to pull the trigger there. There was a lot of talks with a lot of teams, uh, but ultimately, as as Andrew Friedman told me, and, and it's very logical here, is he tries to make the moves to improve the ball club in the winter, in the off season whether that's via trade acquiring a guy like Mookie Betts, for example, two years ago, or via free agency acquiring, uh, you know, an all-star and an MVP and Freddie Freeman at first base uh, and getting guys like Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney. He tries to make those moves in the winter where he says the price is not as expensive as it is at the trade deadline where teams that are selling um, or maybe are still in the wild card chase know uh, that these other teams like the Dodgers who are going to be in the playoffs will pay more in prospects than they will in the off season. So he just kind of said everything was more expensive and the price tag was too high. And what I can tell you about Andrew Friedman, Brandon is that in past years when he has made a splash, when he has made a blockbuster deal, so to speak and, and gotten a star out of it, um, it is usually to fill a void that has been created by an injury and when you believe you have a chance to win the World Series, then Andrew Friedman is willing to pay that extra price, the more expensive price, to fill that void, that hole. He calls it, you know, acute needs. Uh, uh, we can go back to 2018 when Corey Seeger was out for the season with Tommy John surgery. He goes out and he gets Manny Machado. Um, In 2019, they didn't need really anything, so they were more fringe moves. A reliever like Adam Klerik and uh, and smaller pieces to help that team. In 2021, uh, of course, Trevor Bauer's situation comes to play, uh, and now you have this huge void uh, in the front line of your starting rotation, so he goes out and he gets a Max Scherzer. So in the past, he's made these big blockbuster moves when he knows he needs to fill a hole and there's an acute need on the team, the luxury of this team with the best record in baseball, best ERA in baseball, and arguably the best three in baseball in Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman, is that there wasn't really any acute needs. Uh, And so what you can do in a situation like this, if you're not willing to pay the expensive price, is you can improve on the margins, similar to what the Atlanta Braves did last year, even though they had a big Void to, to fill in Ronald Acuna, they go out and got you know, a few outfielders instead of one big name. They go out and get some relief pitching and starting pitching. Uh, very fringe on the margin move, but ultimately helped them win the World Series. And that's essentially what Andrew Friedman did here by acquiring Joey Gallo uh, to platoon him with Trace Thompson and Chris Taylor in left field. When Chris Taylor was healthy, what he did by adding Chris Martin, adding another reliever that can help us get through this stretch. Because as you mentioned, the biggest concern coming up is that you have all these guys coming off of the, the injured list, getting healthy, hopefully right at the right time, and some acute needs you may have can be filled internally uh, by getting Walker Buehler, arguably the best big-game pitcher in baseball, coming back, by getting Dustin Mays, a guy who's got filthy stuff, who can pitch out of the bolts in the playoffs if you need him, coming back, Bruce all coming back, Blake Trinan coming back, Chris Taylor coming back, Edwin Rios coming back, I can go on and on and on. So uh, maybe yeah. mortgaging the farm and selling the farm uh, was just not worth it when you have all this talent coming off the soon.
4: I agree with what Friedman said. Final 45 seconds here, Michael. I wanted to ask you quick. I, a new report came out that the Angels were uh, scared to deal Otani. I don't know if that report has much validity, but it's, uh, it's from Bleacher Report, so it's, I'm sure it does. Would the Dodgers have made that offer that you said they were reluctant to do with Soto for a two-way talent like Shohei Otani,
5: Yeah, I think that would have been more of a trade they would have made over Juan Soto, to be honest with you. You know, they, they, they see Juan Soto as like Ted Williams uh, reborn, and you have a guy like that and Freddie Freeman on the team. You have a lot of guys, young talent like that, who can do those things. But, you know, they will definitely be in on Shohei Otani if he's available this offseason. The scared fear factor you talk about, and I saw Artie Marino trending during the trade deadline, which is never a good sign, is trading away a guy, not just a generational talent, not just the new Babe Ruth uh, of our era, but also a guy who, in in Anaheim at least, puts butts in seats, sells the most tickets, sells jerseys, the most merchandise. That is a cash cow for Artie Marino that I'm just so surprised to see that they would take calls on him. But of course, if it can improve your team, you as a GM have to listen to those calls as Perry Maniason did. But as we had talked about, I didn't think Shohei Otani would move at the deadline. He obviously didn't. And it was pretty early in the deadline when he was told he was going to be not available. Uh, and then we got guys like Syndergaard who we knew was on an expiring contract who went. The race deal at move, especially after they offered him a four year extension was surprising to me that he was the one that they traded away. But I honestly, in my gut, just don't think the Angels have the... the. I don't want to say courage, but I don't think they're going to trade Shohei Otani. I think they're going to try to do everything they can to keep him. For sure.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think I think that that would be... Right? Why would you trade away such a generational talent there's so just somebody that's, like you said, is going to put butts in seats and is going to... Um, if you just kind of uh put put your whole entire faith in him i think that um there's nowhere but up to go with him well um guys that's all the time we have for today let's do it again tomorrow until then this is the arash markazi show saying stay safe and stay healthy
0: this is the arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 espn radio thank you for listening to believe